Greetings, now I bring you. The Evil Chocolate Cookie Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is the Evil Chocolate Cookie back with you and the Evil Chocolate Grab Bag. I just had an idea just right off the top of my head, and I want to record it while it's fresh in my mind. So here we are. During the years I've been, you know, in public, which is pretty much all my life, ever since I could understand the whole thing with not being able to see and all that, I've had a lot of people ask me the same questions. So, I just thought of putting this out here, going through some of the questions that I get asked a lot, and doing my best to explain the answers. Again, this is not meant as, you know, harmful to anybody. This is just my personal list of questions that people ask me. And my answers, usually the answers that I give them. And I feel like this might help some people understand this a little bit. Maybe if you're new to this podcast or if you have a friend who is blind or visually impaired and you've never dealt with something like this before and you need answers. First, let's start with my philosophy on these questions. If you have a question for me, ask it. Don't sit there and stare at me. Just ask me the question. You are not going to hurt my feelings if you do. I'm very open to questions, and I love to help people understand. So, about the worst thing you can do is be afraid to ask me a question. Now... Some people may have a different outlook on this, but I'm I'm very open to people asking, if you don't ask questions, how are you going to get the answers? You know? I mean, that it's just as simple as that. One of the one of the questions I get asked is how do I use the internet? How pretty much people will ask me how I'm here recording this. I touched on this once before in a podcast that I've made on learning to live without your vision, but I'm going to go over it in a little bit more depth here. Most smartphones, I'm saying most of them because I haven't seen them all. I know they're all supposed to, but I know for a while um, Windows phones didn't. Those are discontinued now, but there could be others. I don't know. I haven't used every smartphone on the face of the planet, not by a long shot, but most of them, at least the big name brands, come with what we call accessibility features built into them. As do a lot of other devices, computers, smart speakers. Um, let me see. Oh, televisions sometimes. A lot of smart TVs, for example, will have stuff like that built in. A lot of products nowadays will have that kind of thing. I think even some of the audio recorders do. I thought I saw a recording of someone using one that actually had speech capabilities. And one of the most important parts of that accessibility system for anyone who has little to no vision is called a screen reader. Screen readers do exactly what they say they're going to do. They tell you exactly what's on your screen. Now, they don't work all the time. 
And what I mean by that is some apps are built in such a way that the screen reader can't detect anything on the screen. Standard controls, it doesn't have a problem. When the apps are built in some obscure coding format, not like programming languages or anything like that, but just like some obscure way that changes the appearance of controls, that's when you start to have problems with labels or the software even detecting that there's anything there. Which, let me tell you, can be frustrating. There's an app that I would pay a million bucks to use right now, and I can't because it's not accessible. Because it was built in such a way that the screen reader can't detect what's on the screen. So that, that's a hurdle that we just have to deal with. There's no real way to pre-check an app before you buy it or download it, so it's all trial and error most of the time. Unless you have friends who have tried it and then they can tell you, oh, don't bother. Or, go ahead, it works. Some developers are more responsive than others about accessibility concerns. Sometimes they fix it, sometimes they ignore you, and sometimes they flat out tell you they don't care. I've had responses of all three. The we don't care ones are probably the hardest ones to deal with. Another thing that you have, if you have some vision but it's difficult for you to read, you have text accommodations, whether it be a magnifier, making the text bold, enlarging it, shrinking it, inverting the colors, anything like that. You, you've got those sort of things at your disposal, so... I mean, just use whatever works for you. If you, want to, if you want to try these out for yourself, you can. Look for a section in the settings of your respective device labeled accessibility. Go in there. Have, have fun. Excuse me a minute. I can't guarantee you'll be able to turn it back off once you turn it on, but have fun. Do your best. I also get asked how I do a lot of, you know, basic tasks, anything from walking up and down the hallway to getting a snack. Some of them are a little trickier than others. Obviously, walking up and down the hallway is on the easy end of the spectrum. I just get up and maneuver around like anybody else. I, I have to use my hands a little bit more to, like, trail the walls. And where's, you're supposed to protect your face. I usually forget to do it. And if there's something at face level, I usually end up smacking right into it because I'm very, very accident prone. <laughs> then again, you guys know this. But... That's the easier end of the spectrum. Some of the things in the kitchen can be a little frustrating, like trying to get yourself a snack. And it, an example I used in the book I wrote on similar subjects is confusing an ice cream sandwich for a stick of butter. Yes, I actually did that once. 
they were shaped in such a similar fashion that I couldn't tell them apart, so I grabbed this little thing, thinking it was an ice cream sandwich. Open it, take a big bite, it's a stick of butter. Oh my god, that was so disgusting. <laughs> well, we'll go over some of my embarrassing stories in a later episode. Hey, actually, that might be fun to make. <laughs> Telling different cans and things apart can be difficult if you don't have the right software. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's all doable. So there's no, there's really not much that you can't do. Unless the thing that you're attempting to do involves driving a car or flying a plane. The huge possibility is that you can do it. Um, if you If you can't see... I'm not one to discourage anybody from following their dreams, but if you can't see, please don't try to become a NASCAR driver. You're going to get yourself hurt, and I really don't want that. I like my listeners intact. Do you understand? <laughs> if you lose your head, you can't listen. <laughs> oh. Well, then again, if you lose your head, you can't do much of anything. How can you? Oh, okay, back on topic. Like I said, it's all all doable. Oh, and don't try to throw hand grenades either. You might pull a me and throw it at yourself. <laughs> no, I haven't actually done that. But I would. Not even trying. Oh, gosh. Another thing people ask me to do is try to picture what someone looks like. That's honestly something I'm really no good at. Because if I do manage to construct a face for a person, it's nothing like they actually look like. So that that's not always an easy task. It's, it's not something that bothers me. But I feel like it might make that person feel really, really embarrassed when I tell them they have green hair or something like that. <laughs> uh, so if you don't want me to get your appearance drastically wrong, don't ask me what I think you look like. This is not necessarily que a question, but this is something that does bother me a little bit. That Most of these don't even bother me, but this one really does. It's when somebody you've just met... Just grabs your hand and puts it all over their face. Like, here, this is what I look like. That's disturbing. I mean, it might have been okay when you were little. Or when any of us were little. But once you're a full-grown adult, it just, no. If. Unless you want to show me, say, your jewelry or your hairstyle or something like that. I don't care. I mean, just don't, don't do that. It's awkward for you. It's awkward for me. It's awkward for anybody that might be watching. So, to minimize embarrassment, don't do it. Okay? Okay, we're good. <laughs> oh. One of the most common questions that I tend to get is... Actually, a two-part question. One, if blind people can dream. And two, if so, how, how is it done? Answer one, absolutely. Unless there's something totally unrelated in, you know, in your brain or your mind or whatever that prevents you from, from dreaming, then there's 
That's not impeded in the slightest. As for how it happens... With me, it's just like everyday life. I've got my other senses, I've got audio, but there are really no images to go along with it. I can't be sure on this part, but I'm guessing it depends on your level of vision. If you're used to seeing even like fuzzy images, they'll probably pop up in your dreams. If you're not used to them, you're not going to have them. Like, I've had really ridiculous dreams that make no sense. We might talk about some of those in another episode too just just for a laugh I don't know yet that actually isn't a bad idea but it's just been like like normal life to me there's there's really no difference like if if I dreamed that I was in the middle of New York City and tripped over my own feet and fell down a storm drain then I wouldn't be able to see that storm drain or any of the people laughing at me, because that would be dream logic. They'd all laugh at me and nobody would get me out of there. And I'd still probably feel just embarrassed in my dream as I would if it happened in real life. I've, ugh, I have had dreams concerning me falling on my face in front of people I'd rather not fall on my face around. And let me tell you, it was just as mortifying while I was sleeping as it would have been if it had actually happened. We'll get into that in another episode. Another question that I've gotten more recently with people that have just never seen me, like with my phone or anything like that, I'll scan something and I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And somebody's like, how did you know that? I have an app on my phone called Seeing AI and what it does, it has several different modes and I might actually make a podcast on this. Now that I've mentioned it, I might record that at some point. It can do short text documents, products, which it's it's a barcode scanner. You point your um, camera. That, yeah, thank you, Brian. <laughs> uh, you point your camera at a barcode and scan it. And unless it's one of those locally assigned codes, usually it can tell you exactly what you're holding. It can do people, currency, scenes... Um, I think it can do handwriting. Don't quote me on that. I thought I saw a handwriting mode in there, but I'm not, I'm not really sure because I've never needed it. It has light detection, so it can tell you how much light is in your surroundings for people who maybe don't have light perception. That one, I personally, because it tells you via different tones and stuff like that, the higher the pitch, the brighter the light. I like to sit and make music with it. Because I have no need for it otherwise. So I, I play with it. And, it. and this app also has color detection, if I didn't mention that. It seems like they added a new mode recently, but I'm not exactly sure what it is because I don't have access to it. There used to be hardware devices for barcode scanning, but I think they've been discontinued. Like I said, don't quote me on that. Another question I get asked is how I read, because I love to read, and I'll tell someone that who's not familiar with, you know, anybody that's visually impaired, like they've just met me, and they're like, okay, then how do you do that? There are a couple of ways that you can do that. You can, you can read in Braille, which some of you have heard of that, I'm sure, but for those who haven't, or those who don't really understand it, I'm going to explain. It's this 
writing system and each braille cell is six dots and each letter, number, symbol, anything like that is made up of a combination of one or more of those dots. So with just six dots, you can write every letter of the alphabet, every number, every symbol. Well, I don't know about every symbol. There might be some obscure symbols out there that can't be written. I don't think you can do emojis. At least I haven't figured out how to do it yet. But I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying I don't know how to do it. But like I said, pretty much everything you could ever need to write, you've got that. And you just, you read it with your fingers. Like you trail your fingers across it and you can tell what letter is under your finger. The downside to that is the books are very heavy, they are very large, and they are very expensive. As are the digital devices that you can use to read Braille. Most of the time, Braille displays and note takers run about five to six thousand dollars. There are exceptions, but that's the average price, about four, five, six thousand dollars, which I think is ridiculous. So it's not easy to obtain. The other way is through audiobooks. Now you can do this with commercial audiobooks that you'll just go buy, say, from Audible or go check out from your public library, get on CD, anything like that. Or there are these others called talking books and they are more specialized. They are built for special hardware and or software. And the way I like to explain those, it's basically a web page, basically formatted sort of like a web page in terms of navigation, but it's, it's a fancied up web page that sometimes has a human narrator reading it. And the reason I say that is these audiobooks are made, well, they're not even always audio. Sometimes it's just text and they are read with a synthetic voice and a synthetic voice is just say you're talking to a virtual assistant like Siri or something like that for example a synthetic voice is what you're going to hear when they respond back to you that, that's the synthetic voice but let's just lump them under the broad category of audiobooks for right now because that's going to make it easier to explain they have very, very precise navigation, some more than others. You can navigate by up to six levels of headings. If they're marked up for this, you can navigate through pages. And in the ones that are digitized text, you can navigate by paragraph, sentence, line, word, character. You can have the computer voice spell things for you. And generally with digital text, you get a lot more precise navigation. So, which is better, you might ask? That really depends on what you're reading. For my stories, my, my, non, or my fiction books and things like that, I would rather have a human narrator and I would rather have a good human narrator. The, the best ones are the ones that give distinct voices to each character. Or at least try to. For digital text, such as my, you know, nonfiction, a textbook, things like that, 
I would rather have with a synthesized voice. I would rather have that in digital text. I just confused you guys. Nonfiction, I'd rather have in text format with the computer voice. Because in that format, I can have things spelled out for me. And things like that that I would not have with regular audio. Because sometimes, especially in the case of textbooks, if you're in school, sometimes you'll have big words that aren't always the easiest to understand. And you need to have them spelled out. Regular audio will not do that for you. As far as playing them, you need extra hardware or software. The hardware can be expensive. I have a machine over here right now that costs about $400. So they're not as expensive as the Braille devices, but they're not cheap either. You can also get apps on your phone to help out with this stuff, and usually those are a whole lot cheaper. I mean, the phone itself isn't very cheap, but the apps are. Let's see, do I have any other material I need to cover? Oh, I do have one more that I almost forgot about. I have a lot of people that have their vision come up to me and ask me if they can learn to read Braille. The answer is not by touch. And let me tell you why. If <clears throat> there is a part of your brain that processes visual images. If you don't have your vision, it rewires itself to process input from the other senses. Therefore, if you have your vision, that part of your brain is not going to let you learn how to read Braille from your fingers. You will be able to learn how to read it with your eyes, which I still don't understand yet. Apparently, some people can, like, look at it and understand what it means. I don't know. But you'll be able to do that, however it works. But you won't be able to read it with your hands. Like I said, I don't fully understand how it works. But there you have it. There it is. I think that's about all I've got to cover with this one. This is just some of the stuff that people have asked me. Or things I've seen on the internet that I just wanted to cover that I had a definite answer to. I hope this helps some people out. I really do. Because I feel like the more people understand, the better they're equipped to handle situations where they might need to help someone out or they've just met someone who has a visual impairment of some sort and they don't exactly know what to do. So this this is your this is your resource, at least one of them. I wanted to help you guys out as much as I possibly could. So I mean you've got that. Housekeeping. Reminder, we are approaching our fiftieth episode. I think this might be number forty four. I'm open to suggestions as to what we should do to mark that particular milestone because hey, fifty episodes is pretty good. For someone who does everything. This is this is pretty much a solo endeavor apart from obviously Anchor doing the distribution and all the 
technological stuff that I wouldn't know how to do if you paid me. And the wonderful people who have submitted intros to us. Everything else, I pretty much do it all. From coming up with the ideas to sitting down and recording them. So, 50 episodes is pretty good. So, any suggestions that you have for that, please send them to me. And you'll be told how to do that in the outro segment. So, pay attention to that. Do I have any other announcements to make? No, I don't. I think that's all for housekeeping today. So, with that in mind, I suppose I will see you guys next time. Have fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evil Chocolate Grab Bag. If you'd like to contact me or support me, you can do that in a number of ways. First, if you'd like to contact me, you can do so via Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and on the Good Pods Network at EvilCookies98. Via email at TheEvilChocolateCookie at gmail.com. Via Skype, searching for The Evil Chocolate Cookie. And via Discord at the Evil Chocolate Cookie number 4569. If you would like to support what I do, you can do that via listener support on this podcast or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the evil chocolate cookie. One time donations are also possible at streamlabs.com slash the evil chocolate cookie one. Adding slash merch to the end of that URL will take you to the merch shop where you can get your own goodies. My other content can be found on YouTube at The Evil Chocolate Cookie, at twitch.tv slash The Evil Chocolate Cookie, and on TikTok at The Evil Chocolate Cookie. Thank you for listening. You're the best. And don't be evil. <laughs>